Hey everybody, we're continuing our Disciple Maker series where we're thinking about what does it mean to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus who disciples other people, disciples who make disciples. I don't know if you're someone who regularly travels on public transport, whether that's planes, trains and buses. And don't you just love those moments when you find a seat that's got an empty seat next to it? It's just like great, like no one wants uh, that space taken because you can... You know, you can just sit out a little bit and just relax a little bit and take up a little bit more space. A few years ago, I I actually saw this American company. You can go online. This is displayfakefoods.com. And they would sell you like a plastic or rubber uh, drink spillage or food mess. And you'd buy this stuff and then you would put it on the empty seat next to you. And then no one would come and sit on it because they thought that someone had left some food there. Like genius idea. Because let's face it, sometimes we we just love an empty seat. Well, this morning, I want to think about a story that Jesus tells that reminds us that actually God hates empty seats, and there's a really, really good reason why he doesn't like them. The story is found in Luke chapter 14, and Jesus has been invited to a home of the religious leaders, a leader of the Pharisees. This is like one of the top guys, and so there are Pharisees and Sadducees and leaders of leaders there. And to be honest, it's a pretty tough and challenging evening for those guys. Jesus often brings his harshest challenges to those religious institutions. And he he challenges them throughout the evening about how they're more committed to rules than relationship, to status than to serving others. It's been a it's been a difficult time. And then If that wasn't enough, then he goes on to stretch them further and says to them how they love their parties and they love to invite their mates over. And he challenges them, why don't you invite people who could never invite you over to dinner? Why don't you invite the poor, the outcasts, those in society that no one would invite for dinner and could never have you back? You should invite those people because that is what the kingdom of God is about. Everyone is invited. And, and in first century culture, if someone invited you to come and have dinner with them, like this was a massive sign of acceptance, of love, of friendship. And, and Jesus was saying, like, everyone is invited to the table of God, to the feast of heaven, to the party of heaven. Like everyone, rich and poor, everyone, with no exceptions. And so we should be like God. We should be inviting people who couldn't possibly invite us back and and reaching out to them. That's the point that Jesus is making. And so this religious leader, uh, he listens to this story and then he kind of forgets what the point is and just says to Jesus, oh, I just, I can't wait to be at the big table of God on that great day at the end of days. And Jesus, rather than getting crazy angry, he tells this story. Listen to this story. This is Luke chapter 14, verse 16 to 24. Jesus replied to the story, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've brought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. And his master was furious. Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. 
After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out to the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of the banquet. Now, in Near Eastern culture, if you were organizing a big party, of course, there weren't things like emails and mobile phones, and there wasn't really a reliable uh, postal service. So what you would do if you were organizing a, a great party is you'd send a message out to all of your friends and neighbors, basically saying, save this date because I'm going to have a great party and just let me know you can make it. And so people would eventually come back and say, yeah, we'll be there. We've got the date in our diary. We're coming. And then once you knew how many people were coming to your party, you would just go for it. You just put on this incredible hospitality, just great food, great drink. It could last for days. And then when it was ready, on the day itself, you would send out all the instructions to people say, come now, three o'clock, everything is ready. It's going to be a feast. And so that's what happens in this story. But now there's a whole bunch of people who basically say, We've changed our minds. Like something better, we think, has come along, so we're not going to do that anymore. We, we can all, if we're honest, be a bit like that sometimes ourselves, that we may make a commitment to something, and then something better comes along, and then we think, oh, actually, I'm going to do that instead. And, and in this moment, like, like Jesus is saying, like, this is not a good thing. It's not a great attitude anyway, but it's certainly not a great thing when it comes to God. Like when we make a decision maybe to, to gather with God's people to get closer to God and then something else comes up and we think like, oh, I'll, um, I'll do that other thing. I think as far as I'm concerned, something better has come along. And yet what Jesus is saying in this story, no, that whatever you're doing is not better. The best possible thing you can do is come to the feast, to come to the Father, to be close, because he wants to bless you and bring good things for you. If you miss it, you'll miss out. And as a result of that, Jesus then says in the story, the master in the story who's like God says, well, then go to the people who really need this. Like go to the people who don't feel like they're invited and let them know that they are invited. And why? Because the desire of the master is that the house is full. Like God hates empty seats because every empty seat is a symbol, is a reminder of someone who's missing out on the goodness and the kindness of God. It's not like people are numbers. People are people and God cares deeply about people. And so when we see an empty seat and when God sees an empty seat, for his mind, this is someone who really is missing out on the good stuff that God wants. And so in the story, the master says, so get out there. Get out there and tell people that they're invited, that, the, that whether they consider that they're tax collectors or, or prostitutes or outcasts of society or lepers or, or, or the poor or impoverished, whatever they think is their barrier to come, to stop them coming to God, you compel them. You tell them, no, 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 don't worry. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is loved. Everyone is invited. Jesus is inviting you to come to know him and to come to know God. Everyone has a seat at the table with God. That's the challenge of this story. 
And it challenges us in two ways. Firstly, maybe you're listening to this today and you've not yourself accepted God's great invitation to know Jesus for yourself, to follow him, to become his disciple. When you think about what he's done for each and every one of us, he came for us, he died on the cross for us, he rose again for us so that we could be restored into relationship with God. And right now he's praying for us, longing for us, inviting us every moment of the day into relationship with him. Maybe Maybe it's time for you to take your seat at the table that's reserved for you that only you can take. God is longing for you to come and sit down and be with him. But many of us who are watching this in this moment, for many of us, we've got our seat at the table. But what about all the other empty seats? Like whenever we gather in groups or, or at the town hall or any of the places, every time we look at an empty seat, we should feel gutted about that. Not because it's about numbers, but because Jesus is about people. And empty seats are reminders of people who are missing out on the good news of Jesus. How do, how do we respond to this in practice? What does, what does this mean? I've said before these three things, prayer, care, and share. We, we should pray that God will stir our hearts and give us boldness and courage to invite people to get to know Jesus, to come to our, our group, our church at home, our, our, our gatherings on Sunday, or just to hang out with them, just sometimes chat about what's going on in life, that we, we pray and we pray that their hearts will be open. Prayer, care. We look for opportunities to care for people, to do acts of kindness and compassion that are just good things to do. That's what Jesus does. And then sometimes when they ask us why we behave in a certain way, why we're being the way we are, we can share with them, prayer, care, and share, the difference that Jesus has made in our lives and the difference he could make in their life if they'd be willing to take a seat at the table with him. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is invited. No one is perfect. But when we say yes, anything can happen. So I want to pray for us that God, again, would stir our hearts in this. That the next time we're even together as church, or if you're watching this from another church and you see an empty seat, you'll think this is not about bums on seats, this is not about numbers, but that empty seat could be symbolizing maybe a a single mum who's struggling in life in that very moment and she's just got no idea that God loves her and there's a way of restoration and hope and joy, God's best for her. And we are the hands and feet of Jesus who can love and care for her and introduce her to Jesus. Maybe that empty seat is a, is a symbol of, a, of, of someone who's working in a bank and they're super stressed and, and they just think like, you know, if I could just earn some more money, I, I'm just going to be happy. But it's just not working out for them. And that empty sea is symbolized of that person who, if they just knew the life that Jesus has, if they just took their seat at the table, they discover God's very best. Maybe that empty sea is a 14-year-old teenager who's battling with anxiety and struggling with hope and just kind of wondering how everything's going to play out. And, and, and as we are in our gathering moment, they're in their bedroom feeling worried and anxious, can't even think about going to school the next day. Maybe that empty seat symbolizes that person. And, and Jesus wants that young person to come and take their seat and receive his love and compassion and help and direction. Like empty seats represent people who matter to God, who God cares about.
And so may the Holy Spirit stir our hearts with prayer, care and share that we could see those who are missing out on the wonder of Jesus, that we would say, come and check him out. Come and see for yourself. Come and explore this Jesus for yourself. He has made a difference in my life. He can make a difference in yours. May that be our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen.